0: pga nation we are back and we are heading to bermuda now i have a soft spot for this tournament because i played there last year see i got my little hat of the course of course show
1: off i'll be honest
0: this course has no business being a pga course and if i'm being honest it really isn't because pga players don't really play it it's like some other guys that they get to say they played in a PGA tournament, but this isn't really a PGA tournament. Um, there's barely like this field, half the field we haven't even heard of. So at least me, I haven't. So from being honest, that's what you get. But I love the course in a way because I play there multiple times and it's fun and it's in Bermuda and it's a cool looking course. So it should be fun to watch on TV. And what makes this interesting this week and fun is if you do the research, if you watch a show like ours, there theoretically should be a bigger edge if you can find something because there's a lot of guys that people aren't going to know and people are really going to kind of shift to the top, the more popular guys, and here's where you can find your edge and uh, and really kind of make sure you you stand out with some of those maybe more interesting plays or the newer guys on, on a course that uh, is going to be a bit unique on the tour this season. So with all that being said, see how you do tonight.
1: I'm good. So I'm really, uh, I'm kind of excited to be back on Tuesday night. Not that Wednesday was was an issue necessarily, but we're. I think we're going to be rolling on Tuesday nights at nine o'clock for everybody. I think that gives us a little bit more time to kind of consider our lineups, make changes like we need to once we figure out the weather edges and and the the wave uh, splits and things of that nature. Which I think, I, you know, if I was to prioritize things in our Discord that I that I thought were really important in terms of reasons to be in the Wind Daily Sports Discord. I feel like the weather edge, and Dave, you've done such a good job sort of really parsing that out, really sort of late in the evening hours. You know, it's kind of cool to have somebody on New Zealand time, right? Because he's not up at the hours that we're up necessarily, which is really unique because sometimes we'll have our influence in there, and then Dave will be up completely separate hours, have his influence there. But I think tournaments like this, the weather – splits which don't seem to be like a huge factor and david can expound upon that in a second but i think that's really important for tournaments like this and we will see a lot of tournaments where that's a big deal so um not just the information and the picks and the you know the lineup advice in discord but in in weeks like this that's really important but long story short i'm happy to be back on tuesdays let's get it started tuesday night we're back to where it all began spence how you doing tonight
2: I'm doing well. I I guess the one negative I'll say about this tournament is that we don't have stat tracker. Mm. Anytime we don't have that, it makes things more difficult, whether that be from a pre-tournament perspective or, you know, an in-tournament perspective through in-tournament head-to-heads or showdown contests, uh, you know, live outright bets. I think a lot gets removed from the equation. So, I'm fine with the fields being weak. I think normally that's something that I can work on with my model because I'm running data points on players that a lot of people either don't know or whatever the example is there. But when you don't have long-term metrics and then on top of it, you're also dealing with very limited sample sizes from some of these corn fairy guys that are coming in. There are some problems with this tournament. Now, I think we can find an edge because... There's probably a lot of group think mentality that does take place in the space still where, yeah. you know, somebody hears a name and all of a sudden that guy goes from 5% owned to 20% owned. And I think that we can find leverage in a tournament where there is wind and there's going to be problems and, and situations that we can work around. But, you know, it's at least worth noting, like it's not going to be a clean tournament from start to finish where we can run our numbers and feel super confident. I think it's a numbers game against what the popularity is on players. I think it's a a situation to where let's try to find as much of an edge as we can against our opponents. And And I think for a show like this, that becomes really unique because as we've always alluded to, yes, we are drafting lineups. Yes, we are competing against each other, but we're trying to do it in a way where if you're playing a GPP contest, we want you to be Joel, where you can win a $100,000 like we're trying to build lineups in that sense with it. So uh, we're always going to take ownership into account. I-, I do think as like the next 24 hours come into play, we're going to get a little bit better ownership. But, you know, we're going to use the numbers that we have now and try to find as much of an edge as we can.
0: There you have it. There you have it. Dave, how are you
3: doing tonight? I'm good, mate. I'm good. You know, they they say, you know, the Masters, US Open, PGA Championship, Memorial, but Butterfield Bermuda Championship. Yeah. This yeah. is the big one. That's what they say. That's a thing. People don't all know that,
1: David. It's a thing.
3: This yeah. is the big one. So yeah. I'm excited, man. I'm amped. I think there's great opportunities. Um, and, you know, I think this is, this is where... You know, it, it works out the the boys from the men when you get to these sort of tournaments because, you know, the you you don't need people like me to tell you that Rory McIlroy is a good golfer. Um, you need people like me to tell you that. Lee Hodges has got a good chance this week yeah. or MJ Duffy's got a good chance this week. Like that's the difference maker. Um, so, you know, I'm excited. I think there's some great opportunities where you can get an edge and, um, you know, really deep dive into some of these guys. A lot of the new corn furry tour players are also making their first start. So I'm excited to see how they perform. Um, so I'm pretty amped.
0: There you have it. And you're right. If you ask the pro at Port Royal golf club, he'll tell you, that this is the biggest tournament that they have all year, so that's a fact, right? Yeah. And you're not going to be able to change that. So this that's is a nice. huge week. This is a big week, and, and you know, you know, obviously we're having some fun, but you know, it's at least this week. It's expected there to be some disappointing DraftKings tournaments because you know it feels a little bit more like a showdown tournament than than a real week long tournament. But uh, you're still going to get that. But there's still, you know, for those of you that attack things, you'll find your single entries. You'll find the hundred a six figure pot. Uh, So there's, there's different ways to play and go ahead and have some fun. Uh, Four of us drafting tonight. So we're going to move quick. But before we do so, Spence, give us that course breakdown. What are you looking for this week?
2: So Port Royal golf course, 6,828 yards, par 71 Bermuda greens. It ranks as the second shortest venue on the PGA tour behind only Pebble beach. Uh, You know, it's positioned on the Atlantic ocean coastline and experience a lot of the volatility that you might expect because of the weather. I'm curious to hear your guys' thoughts. I'll kick it over to you when I get done with this, but I'm not going to get overly concerned with pinpointing specific tee times. And I say that for one reason. We're on water, and any time that you have coastline courses, I think you have steady breezes no matter when it comes into play. Now, maybe you can find a minor edge if we, like, on Wednesday night, see if there's a, a tiebreaker that can come into play with it. But I just weighed wind a single time in my model. I weighed it for a lot. I want guys that are going to be good one players. I don't think that the weather is ever going to be flat on any of these four days. There's going to be worse days than others, but you know, there's going to be on a Sunday, like it's one of those tournaments where it wouldn't be shocking if somebody comes from so far off the pace. And, and I always say like, when you're looking at a Sunday event, only so many guys can win the tournament once you enter the final round, this might be the one unique spot where, you know, if weather takes out the back end of the tournament, Anybody can win, so keep that in mind Like if you are looking to make outright bets. The problem that we run into is we don't have the stat tracker telling us what to do. You might have to trust some of your pre-tournament research based off of that, but just very quickly, it should go without saying that the track plays straightforward with its measurement, but the layout of the land does provide a unique contextual experience when we look at the distribution of the yardage. Most of the distance is baked the three of the four par threes that range between 213 to 235 yards. And the group will rank as your three most challenging stops daily because of their 26.1% to 32.5% bogey or worse rate. The historical finishes for the top 10 producers over the past three seasons has shown that par threes are the most critical range to finding high-end success. That does flip when looking at just cut makers. So to me, that suggests earning shots on the par fours or the par fives will be most crucial in making the weekend, while being able to separate from the pack on the par threes will give the golfers they need to be able to win the title. 10 of the 11 par 4s play under 450 yards. The par 5s are extremely gettable with eagle rates between 1.2 and 4.1%. But I view this course as one where ball striking is going to matter. Uh, We're going to get extremely slow putting surfaces near water that can absolutely be ravaged by wind. That's something that you're going to have to keep in mind. Like, look at slow Bermuda. Look at wind play. Like, you know, look at wind play on guys that are putting. Look at guys with wind play off the tee. Every single metric with wind play is going to come into play for how exposed that the course is. But, you know, those are some things where, yes, we can quantify some of them. There are some certain criteria, though, like we're not going to have the exact breakdown of weighted proximity. I can run a model and project where I think the ranges are going to come from. There's a lot of par fours between 350 to 450 yards. I can extrapolate that out a little bit, but we're not going to have like the condensed pinpoint numbers of. This percent of shots are coming from this range. So it's a guessing game. Maybe you could look at that as a negative. You could also look at it as a positive. If you're the one doing your research, you might be able to take an edge when you do deep dive this a little bit more. But it's a hard tournament for a couple reasons, you know, notably that. And then also just because we don't have a ton of data on some of these guys.
0: There you have it. I love it. Uh, and before we move on, I don't want to overlook that even though we are the draft cast, we are also the home of the first round leader and Spencer hit yet another one
2: yes. last
0: week. And it only did we hit one? We had like, you know, five guys in the top 10. We were just all over that thing. Spence, great job. How'd you do it?
2: It's, it's one of those things where like that tournament, maybe even more so than any tournament we've ever done. And Sia's like in particular had two that have hit before. And we've had some tournaments where it's been really strong from top to bottom, this is not an exaggeration when I say this. I, at some point on Thursday, I'm not quite so sure that one of us could not win the tournament as the first-round leader. We all had chances. See Sia's uh, easy-button play of Cameron Davis, he very easily could have been six under par. Mm-hmm. Um, Kurt Kitayama uh, mm-hmm. for David, he very easily probably should have been the first-round leader looking at it when he put himself in position there with a bunch of holes to play. Uh, Joel, I believe you had Aaron Wise on that. Mm -hmm. Like we had so many options and that's just three of the names. There are also other names. Sia removed Tom Kim from the equation. That name was mentioned on here. There are Rory McIlroy. There are so many options that were talked about on this show. Uh, You know, one of the things that I think we all do is we're trying to find guys that we think have really good upside in this tournament that maybe we don't believe can win the tournament or at least have numbers that are inflated in an outright market that's how I came on Gary Woodland like I kind of got stuck with the Gary Woodland play and unfortunately I mentioned this on the show even if I don't go that route and and I don't get stuck because David takes Danny Willett for me I end up going Danny Willett and Kurt Kitiyama and all of a sudden that lineup's a lot better than it was so you know we have little nuggets that we throw into the mix where I think we all like Kurt Kittyama last week David was very smart to put him on his first round leader card it probably should have paid better than it did in that spot unless you had each way betting with it but um we're very strong with the first round leaders like we've joked about it before but it's quite amazing how many that we are actually hitting it is and it is and it
0: goes to show you listen we have some fun on here we like the big offers, but maybe we do know a thing or two of what we're talking about and that's why maybe we keep putting a couple ballers here and there but Another week to do the same. Another week to be profitable. Do me a favor. Before we dive into the draft tonight, go ahead and give us a follow. Hit the like button. It goes a long way. Um, We'll post lineups on Twitter after. If you're following us, you get to see, you get to interact with us. And if you join us, of course, you get access to Discord where we're dropping plays and other tidbits throughout the week before the tournament starts. But there are four of us tonight, and we have a big draft. So we're going to get started uh, to keep us in line. I'm going to pull up the draft board right now uh and i'm going to congratulate david on a big win last week taking it down with some really smart drafting grabbing rory first to go on to grab the victory so david chose the draft order and we're going to go david uh cm the audience second i will go third and spencer will go fourth without further ado david you're on the call
3: Thanks, Joel. Yeah, look, can just reiterate what Spence said. I mean, not only was it an amazing week for the first round leaders, I obviously tipped up um, Roy McElroy and was just incredibly high on his chances going into that week. Um, and then if you were a premium member of Win Daily, um, you would have seen in the Discord I tipped up Kiriyama as well as one of the three additional picks that I dropped in there and we secured a 1-2 finish, which is actually the second time this year that we've had a first and second um, in the tips. So um, it was a great, great uh, week of returns. Um, Look, I, I'm going to start off the the tipping this week. Usually, I think we lately we've been going the top of the board pretty much right at the beginning. Um, I'm kind of indifferent on majority of those guys at the top. Like I, 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 don't like they're all good chances to win, but also I'm not super excited about paying ten thousand five hundred for Denny McCarthy, who I think just like the volatility range of. Outcomes for him is um, is very very, fairly variable, so I'm actually going to dive down the board for my first pick and um, go and find some value because once I get into some of those lower regions, I think it does get pretty thin pretty quickly. Um, So I'm going to take Michael Gligic at oh interesting with my first. Here
2: we go. Here Uh, we go.
3: (laughs) (laughs) That is a tactical uh, play that um, Spence obviously loves as well.
1: Spencer, that's the guy that was on your radar. I actually, he's kind of been on my radar this this week as well. And, and I, I hadn't made a decision on him. Uh, and I think David and perhaps you are making my decision for me. Uh, you like him as well
2: this week? I love Michael Glickich this week. He's one of my favorite plays on the board. So the current metrics are surging. We see him placing at least 25 spots better than his baseline output in every strokes game category that I ran in my model, except around the green play. He actually rakes number one in me for me in this field. And this is not something that I even like naturally attached to my model, but he's number one in this field for ball striking plus weighted proximity. I think the high end marks, you know, are going to be pretty good. When you look at that, he's one of only three golfers that when I recalculated the par three, four and five ranges that finished inside the top 30 for me, Um, I guess for, for this show, since I don't get any more picks stolen, I'll save who the other two are right now. But yeah, I mean, Gligic is a misprice to me. You'll hear him on my card quite a bit this week, whether that's an outright or a first round leader, he's going to make appearances in both of those areas. But I was going to take him with one of my first two picks. Very disappointing to have him off the board. All Like that's not what I wanted to see.
3: I'm absolutely I'm thrilled that I can start off the draft cast as I ended last week by stealing picks from Spencer. Um <laughs> In, in terms of the round the green, I'll point out that he gained five and a half strokes around the green last week. That is driving accuracy absolutely spiked. He gained 16%. He's been even on approach the last two weeks, but we know that he can spike with that as well. Um, as Spence alluded to, he's just great value at the 8,100 mark. Um, in terms of comp courses as well, I mean, if we're looking at like other tropical courses, um, that. Generally, the Puerto Rico Open is a natural fit. Punta Cana is another option. You've got the Mayacoba, Al Camilion. It's a, a kind of an interesting course um, to look at. Um, but he's got a great record at, across all of those. Um, and then he's an 11th here in 2021 um, around this course as well um, as a 53rd in 2020. So he's made the cut both times um, in the 11th, obviously. Um, the better of those two finishes. So I'm liking um, the correlating form. I'm liking what he's bringing. Um, and yeah, there's, there's just a lot of positives. And at 8,100, it's been said he's, he's great value.
2: I just want to really quickly throw out one more thing and then we can move on from it. Uh, Michael Gliggich, top Canadian, plus 170. That's in a market against Nick Taylor and David Hearn. I kind of like that look, if you have a chance to put that in. Wait, it was Gliggich versus who? Uh, David Hearn and Nick oh. Taylor.
1: Oh, gotcha. Okay. You know, Hearn's course history here is, it's good. is really is really interesting. Uh, that's an interesting one. Um, we already have, so the SEA audience team has already made a selection. I, I helped out a little bit. It looks like I have some some support from JC and from uh, Byron, otherwise known as Model Maniac. I like Will Gordon. I don't know if I'm like overshooting my shot here, but first of all, he's he's been great on the Corn Fairy Tour, like really good. And then he comes over to the PGA Tour and he, he's been really good Over here on the PGA Tour as well, the ball striking has been excellent. Finishing positions have been excellent. 34th here in 2021, so he does have some some experience on this course. You know, when I walk into tournaments, before I even look at stats, there's usually like I'll just look at who's in the field, and there's a couple guys that jump out to me. There's a second guy that jumps out to me that isn't necessarily even the best course fit here. But those names that jump out to me, I'm usually just going to be stuck to all week no matter the situation or the price, frankly. And Will Gordon is one of those two guys. So, you know, in this field, I think he can be just fine uh, at 8600 You know, it's a little higher than I thought the price would be, but I'm not worried about it. If anything, I think that keeps some people away from him. Uh, so, yeah, Will Gordon for a Team C audience.
0: I love it. I like that pick. I think it's a really okay. good one, right? The, the form there looks, looks really good. Um, all right. That puts – me on the clock, and, and you know, there's a few guys I was hoping that would fall to me. They're left. I'm trying to be strategic on who I want to start with. I'm going to go with Mark Hubbard. You know, Mark Hubbard, you know, maybe his form fall off a little bit, but his ball striking over the last, you know, two months has been really elite. Um, 10K is a lot. And a lot of my strategy this week is to, well, you know, I can go both ways. I can understand playing the top because you can, you know, the scrubs aren't going to be that much worse than the, the middle tier. I can also understand just playing the whole middle tier, if you like those guys, because uh, they're not that much worse than the stars. So everyone's kind of, to me, like in a very similar playing field, you kind of can structure your roster however you feel most fit. I think Mark Hubbard is a superior talent in this field. He's one of the top golfers you're going
2: to get. So I'm happy to pay the 10K for him. So Mark Hubbard is the second of the three options. Gligich would Mm -hmm. be one. Hubbard would be the second one.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I like well, welcome quote, to the but... fourth pick Spence <laughs>
2: <laughs> I don't like picking back here this was a lot more fun when I would just give myself the number one pick and I never had to deal with any of this
3: yeah, yeah. Um, I apologize again um yeah I'm constantly ruining my sp- friendship with uh, Spence every week at this point um I, I really like the the Hubbard plate I think that his stats have been excellent particularly on approach you know we've got we've got this interesting thing with this course because it is so short you'll see that there's actually um a far projected higher number of shots over 200 yards and then also Mm -hmm. under 150 yards and the reason why is that all those par fives are basically um approachable in two for the entire field If there's one weakness to Hubbard's game, it's distance off the tee. That is not a factor here. Um, So he gets to rely on his elite um, approach numbers, which he has to rely on every week, um, day in, day out um, on the PGA Tour um, regularly. Um, In terms of comp courses as well, he's got, um, he hasn't got any like super high finishes. Like he's got a few like top 25s at other um, coastal island kind of courses um, or tropical um, courses. Um, so he's got a few top 25s, but he's got a ton of made cuts. And I think that, that that's a very, very safe pick in terms of um I'd, I'd be shocked if he misses the cut here. Yeah,
2: yeah, he's probably, I mean, it's close between all these guys in the $10,000 section. I'd probably say he's my favorite of everybody kind of for the reasons that you said. And, and David, you brought up a good point. So three of the par threes are over 200 yards. Those are really long holes where he can use that. Uh, all three of the par fives, the long iron play is going to come into the mix. And then you have a whole, like you have 10 of the 11 par fours that are between 350 to 450 yards. And that brings in some of the short iron play there. So uh, it's a really good course setup for him. And, and I do think he's one of the top names in this field when you're looking from like an actual skill set standpoint.
3: Yep,
1: agree. Absolutely. Spencer, it's on you. And before you give your two guys, I, I did want to say, for those of you that don't already know, I, I tweeted something out that I was going to give away a couple tickets to the Pitch and Punt, which is the um, the $20, like 300 k kind of the, the the big contest. And if if it's not an already win daily member, I'm going to give out a gold membership too. All you would have had to do is retweet, and you still can, retweet my original tweet, which was tweeted out um, at 727. So like two hours ago. So you can just like go back to Two tweets ago, you can just retweet that to be eligible. I'm actually looking at who retweeted, and um, I'm just going to pick from that sort of group of people. So we already have 10 retweets. Let's get that up. But uh, anybody who retweets that and is actually in the chat is going to be eligible for uh, an entry into that tournament and or if you're not already a member of Win Daily, uh, a Win Daily membership. Uh, Spencer, it's on you.
2: I wanted to start my build with three of Michael Gliggich, Mark Hubbard, and then the two guys I'm going to take right now. So at least I get these two guys. I'm going to be out the third option of what I wanted to go the route, but the first player I'm going to take Patrick Rogers. He's just an option that my model has continued to like over these past few weeks. And we look at the recent progression of a 16th at the Zozo and a 28th at the Shriners. I think that's showing some growth that he can build on at this tournament. The approach numbers are always going to be somewhat worrisome, but I think he's a golfer that's going to be able to use his length to an advantage. You know, we kind of just talked about this, David and I, but the vast majority of shots are going to come from under 150 yards or over 200 yards, which should enhance his upside since his driving distance will give him shorter approach shots and then an average competitor on these par four holes. While the lengthier chances always tend to be where he finds his best success to begin with. Uh, that's evidenced by him grading inside the top 25 for par three and par five metrics when I recalculated the numbers. So Rogers will be the first choice. The second choice for me is who I actually think is going to win this tournament. And my model thinks that this guy should have had about 5% win equity. So he should be about, about, I guess, you know, 20 to one to win this tournament. Then you can find numbers higher than that. And I know this is going to sound gross to say it, but I really like Alex Smalley this week. Hmm. I've been a big advocate over these past few months that one or two scenarios has to come into play for him to win a tournament. The first one is he either has to draw a par 70 layout. He doesn't get that there. He does get a reduction with only three uh, par fives. Or the second one is we need to get some sort, I mean, I guess a reduction in par five scoring, which is what he gets there, but more so he needs to have a reduction in the importance of par five scoring. And that's kind of what I talked about at the beginning when I was talking about what I put into my model. A lot of it stems from, I wanna find par three scores for the upside I want to find par five scores for the safety. I think that these holes are pretty easy. I think some of that negativity that he has that like always brings him down in my model will be negated this week. He ranks eighth in total driving gear toward accuracy. He's 12th in weighted proximity. That makes him one of only six golfers to land in the top 15 for those two categories. Um, You know, we'll get to it at the end of the show. I ended up betting every single player that fit that criteria, but I really like Alex Smalley's upside this week. And, um, you could argue about maybe the safety isn't necessarily there, but the ownership isn't so outrageous to where I'm willing to bet on the upside to where the top of the board only has so many names that I trust. And like Rogers and Smalley are two of the guys that do have two of the better win equity projections that I can spit out.
1: All right. I, I, and by the way, in case you didn't mention this, Smalley was 12th year last year. So um, nice experience coming in on this course. Ball striking has been good. Um, can he find the putter? I think is the question here. Uh, Spencer, in in your in your breakdown, and Joel, um, your pick right after I finished this question, but uh, how much did you and I'm sorry if I missed it, how much did you emphasize putting, at least relative to your standard course, your standard breakdown?
2: A, a little bit more so what I looked at is I looked at slow Bermuda. So that took like an encapsulation of everything. So, like, not only did it look at putting, it looked at all strokes gain metrics. So I looked at T to Green. And then I averaged in putting to a lesser extent. So on slow Bermuda, Alex Smalley is third overall in my projection for this field. So uh, yeah, I mean, the putter is going to have to be better than, I mean, I guess if we look what he's done the past 24 rounds, he's better than my two-year baseline with him. But uh, for whatever reason, it sees an increase for him on slow Bermuda. So I don't know if that's necessarily going to equate to the putter. But if it equates to the rest of his game, I'm willing to like take that shot that he makes some putts here. Well,
1: yeah. And truth is, he's been really good with the putter, like gaining five out of the last six. But prior to like so I I just I'm just curious, because like if you look at like if you were to look at I'm guessing because I'm not looking at the round breakdown here. But if you were if you were to look at like last 16 to 20 rounds, it would look really good. But then if you went up last like 40 to 50, it would be kind of bad because he's got some really bad putting rounds in there. But those were a while ago. Those were back in June. So it, it kind of looks like he's found something with the putter to be honest with you. So um, yeah, uh, the, the approach lately, does that concern you at all before we move on? Sorry, I'm spending so much time on him, but he's one of the guys I had down, but I hadn't committed to either. So I'm just trying to figure out how we feeling about just the recent bad approach play.
2: I'm more okay. Looking over that. Like I'll, I'd rather take the long-term form yeah, when it comes to approach play and the short-term play when it comes to the putter. Mm-hmm. I think that's more of like the route that I usually try to go with it. And Uh, If we look at the two-year baseline for the putting, and this is on all surfaces, 61st. If we look at the last 24 rounds, he's 35th. So I always want the guys that are showing upside with their recent form of the putter and then bring that in with the ball striking that we know that a player historically has had. I think that's where you can randomly get these guys that boost to the top of the leaderboard and can win a golf tournament.
3: Love, absolutely love that breakdown. Uh One thing I'd just add to the conversation is just Alex Morley's record on tropical courses is actually kind of insane. So if we're looking at um certain comp courses, Mexico Open 2022, sixth, Corrales Punta Cana twenty twenty two, second. The American Express has got good correlation here um at the La Quinta twenty fifth, Bermuda twelfth, Punta twenty second, Punta Cana fourteenth. So he's never finished outside the twenty fifth in all of the comp courses that I'm looking at. So, like as as the approach numbers is the is the only negative that I see. Um, but we do know that historically he is a gainer on approach, and if he's ever going to find or refine um, that approach game that we know that he has, surely it's going to come at at um, a type of course where he's shown actually like some in in this type of field like some extremely elite correlating form. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I love it. Um, so we probably just spent like 10 minutes on, on one of two of Spencer's first picks. So let's try to race through at least the next uh, couple of rounds. Joel, you got Mark Hubbard, which everybody, including myself, seems to love. Are we going to love your second selection, though?
0: You know, I don't know if you will, but I love it. So I'm happy he got here. And that is Callum Tarrant. Uh, this I is a love guy that. Moves.
1: I actually love that pick. I'm just letting you know. Okay, All right. Yeah.
0: This is a guy I love. I think he's been a little disrespected for pricing. I think at this point he, he should have come up a bit. He's been competing. I mean, he is a little volatile. He can miss in a week. But when he's on, he can win this tournament. We've seen him you know, burst and you know gain five or six strokes even. I think I saw seven recently on approach, which – going to need here but i think the biggest factor that has me liking him this week is that he finds hot putters often and he's mm-hmm. been really gaining strokes with his putter and i think if that putter comes alive this week he's going to be a problem and you know just the last three tournaments he's gained 1.2 1.5 and three strokes putting five tournaments ago he gained seven strokes putting so um if he can show us a nice putting week as well i think he's gonna be very dangerous
1: yeah, I mean, I like that. Pay. I mean, he can get absolutely hot on approach and with the putter, which I like. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm looking, I want to, David, I want to ask you about this because I actually looked at him for when I was prepping for the, the first cut on Monday, and I seem to recall, and I just I haven't been able to punch it up yet, but he he's not exactly a fairway finder, correct? But with that said, I mean, are we generally clubbing down here? Are we really worried about wayward drivers as much as we might be for like maybe a longer course where they're pulling out driver more often?
3: Look, it, it can be a problem. I mean, where, where the length becomes an advantage, and we've seen this with Wyndham Clark performing well on this course, and that's why actually I love the Patrick Rogers pick because that that correlates very well to, to Wyndham Clark in terms of the golfer profile. Um where the distance does become an asset is some of these holes where you've got hazards in play. You know, if you've got that extra distance off the tee, you can kind of take the hazard out of play. Um, so whether that's cutting the corner over ocean or cutting um, fairway bunkers or sand trap areas, you know, for Taron, that's going to be an advantage. You know, where I like Taran is that's a that's a nice volatility play um, because it's kind of a, a feeling of he's either going to finish third or completely miss the yeah. cut. Exactly. Um, and combined with Hubbard, I kind of like that combination of. I think Hubbard's got great safety, and taryn has got some great volatility. Where um, you know, he could very easily come out and win this thing.
1: Yeah, I, I love playing Callum Teren's volatility in this one. I totally agree with you. He's he's going to miss the cut by a million, or he's going to be up there on Sunday contending at least for maybe a top ten or you know top five potentially. Um, I, I gotta say, uh, props to the audience. Uh, By the way, Ivan, thanks for joining us. Carmen uh, is here as well. We've got the others that that we've already acknowledged. Uh, Good stuff in the chat. We already got our pick. And I don't have a strong opinion on this guy either way. It's a guy I've been playing as of late. Not somebody I really had my eyes on for this particular tournament. So it's not a pro or a con for me. It's just not somebody I had my eye on. It's Nick Hardy. Um, Does anybody have a strong opinion one way or the other on Nick Hardy before we move on to David's back-to-back picks? Doesn't sound like it, right? Is he well? Let me ask you this, Joel. Is, is Nick Hardy in your player pool? As of
3: right now, no. Okay.
1: Yeah, I'm wondering because uh, usually, here's, okay. Here's the Go issue ahead. for me.
3: I love I love Nick Hardy's approach play lately. Like his his approach numbers are pretty elite when we're looking at this field compared they to um, especially if we're doing a weighted average of which um, you know the the quality of competition that he's been playing against he's gaining significant numbers on approach and that's always like highly correlated to success. The issue for me is that he hasn't played well at other courses like this before. So. I mean, he's missed the cut here in 2022. That I can forgive a bit because it was just such an extremely windy tournament that that is going to be highly volatile. But then he's missed the cut at the Punta Cana twice. He's finished 28th at Puerto Rico and he's got a 67th at La Quinta. So it's like, you know, in terms of like correlating form, there really just isn't anything there. And I don't know if that, that indicates that this may not be the best setup for him.
1: I wonder if the putter is going to be an issue like it has been over the last five or six tournaments as well. But we know Nick Hardy has upside. So, I mean, if we're going to play the upside game, I think Nick Hardy is is, is fine uh, in a tournament like this to potentially flash, uh, like uh, Mr. Flash Gordon, who we picked first. Okay, David, uh, your turn. Uh, you've got two picks back-to-back. What do we got?
3: It is, yep. So I'm very glad I took and um, um, given Spence loves him so much, and I've got that value in. So now I'm going to go... St- to the top of the board and um happy to take a couple guys i like up there um so i'm going to take aaron rye um i really love the approach play that we've been seeing from him lately um he gained 6.8 strokes at the shriners on approach which is just a fairly uh elite um, performance his driving accuracy been absolutely spiking as well he gained a huge 22 percent driving accuracy at the zozo championship recently so both of that is suggesting that his ball striking is getting into elite levels again. He's fairly um, experienced at these type of courses as well. 24th at the Mexico Open last year. He was 15th at Mayakoba. He played here in 2022. He made the cut. It wasn't a great finish, but as I said, 2022 um, results, I'm willing to kind of put a little asterisk next to them, just given it was such a, a windy event um, that it is going to be highly volatile. Um, I just love the approach metrics that you get from um, Aaron Rye. The accuracy is excellent, um, and yeah, his his long lines are going to keep him in place, so um, I think that's just a very, very solid pick. And kind of a golfer that profile, is really similar to that for me, is um, Russell Knox, who i take with um, my second pick there. Seen him start the year again with um, some great approach numbers. Knox's weakness is his distance off the tee, and that's fairly well known. Um, So, you know, at a course where that is not necessarily going to be or won't be an issue, he can rely on his long lines, which have been excellent. He's got stunning form um, across basically every other tropical course that he's played at. Um, 12th here last year, 16th in 2021, 11th in 2020, so his course form is excellent. Um, but we can see that at, like, Mike Cobra, where he had a run of second, third, and ninth back in 2016 through to 2018. Um, so he's got just excellent, excellent correlating form. Um, and I'm loving the approach numbers that we're getting from him at the moment.
1: Yeah, certainly. Uh, I, like, I like both of those plays. Aaron Rye, like, it feels like Aaron Rye can take down this tournament for sure. And he's coming in. I love the form he's coming in with. Um, Russell Knox certainly profiles well for this tournament too. Um, Anybody got any strong opinions on, on Russell Knox? I think he's a guy that people can go either way on uh, particularly because of the price. Spencer, I'll go to you at 9,200 before we get back to the audience, by the way, audience you can nominate right now Um, is Russell Knox, a guy you're high on, or you're just kind of neutral on.
2: Yeah. I like both of the picks that David made Um, Aaron Ryan, this like both of these players, like anytime you get bad weather, you kind of think of the rise and the Knoxes of the world. So I, I mean, I have no issues with anybody that wants to put either one of those two golfers in their player pool.
1: Yeah, Brian from the chat certainly agrees. Uh, by the way, Brian, is are you are you Brian Fletcher? I, I ask that because I want to put you in the running for the um, the tickets for the pitch and putt, and I want to make sure I got the right Brian who who retweeted. Uh, Luke Donald is greater than. Oh, <laughs> okay. So I was looking at Byron's comment. Okay, uh, audience, that looks like a Luke Donald nomination. Uh, what else we got audience? It's time to nominate a player. Oh, it's not Brian. Thank you for answering that question. Okay. Well, if you want to be in the drawing, you can go ahead and uh, retweet the, Oh, uh, Twitter list. Interesting. You take the time to watch this show, which means you're like really into golf, but you're not on Twitter. So I just like, especially if you're into golf or football or any of the sports, there's so much good information. It doesn't all come from Windy City sports. There's like Byron's in the chat. He has a show that he puts out on Twitter. It's, it's a free show that he does. Um, he's one of the handicappers in this industry I just I'm just telling you I'm not even saying it selfishly I'm saying it for you like Twitter it, just like social any other social media platform it can be a distraction but like it's actually really good for this DFS stuff and for handicapping and things of that nature and you can follow us too and, and we're we're kind of fun we're right guys we're fun okay so we got a nomination for SH Kim we got Robbie Shelton nominations any. Any, uh, seconds. I have a guy. I want a second there, but I want to, okay. Zach nominated Luke Donald. So it looks like that's two for Luke Donald. Yeah. Luke Donald's our guy. That is interesting. He was not on my radar at all. I'm, I'm not going to comment on $7,000 Luke Donald, but I do want to ask any of you three is Luke Donald in consideration.
2: Yeah. For me. I mean, I, I don't know, like if I'm as aggressive as the audience, but, um, he's a positive play for me at the $7,000 price tag. I, I don't hate it.
0: Or... I agree. He was the one I was looking at. He didn't quite make my, my draft roster, but it was the one I was considering for.
1: Okay. Well, um,
3: I, so, hate uh, go ahead, I hate Luke Donald this week. Can I say that? <laughs> Fair
1: enough. <laughs> uh, I'll be honest, I, I don't really love Hardy or Luke Donald, but listen, I'm yeah. I'm wrong a lot. So I'm not run. gonna pretend like it's a bad pick it. because I, I just haven't handicapped Luke Donald specifically at all. But David, that was a serious comment, right? You just do not like Luke yeah, Donald. No, genuinely,
3: like I genuinely don't don't rate his chances. Um look it, he's played 13 tournaments at tropical courses he's missed the cut at all but four of them and his best finish was a 26 back in 2016 at Puerto Rico so i'm just like you know what, I, what am i getting from him um you know, yes, he's 7,000. I think there's some some younger golfers who are on the rise rather than a 44-year-old Luke Donald who's perhaps, you know, getting towards the end of his career. I'd rather take someone young and um, perhaps a bit more volatile, but um, with a higher upside than, than Luke Donald. For me, I'm like the beast I can hope for him is like maybe a top 30.
1: David, clearly referring to Hank Lebiota. Uh, so, Joel, it is your pick <laughs> and... um that's bulletin board material for the audience. So, you guys, we got to make sure we steal. Yeah, yeah. We think David. Winning wins. That's, that's exactly yeah. right. We got to make sure, at least on the way back, we steal who we think David might want here. So, everybody kind of focus on that. All right, Joel, what you got?
0: All right. So, I'm between two guys. I'm trying to play some defense against Spence, who I think he won't take. Um, and if I know Spence, I'm going to start with, based on how much money you have left, I'm actually going to shift my pick. All right. I'm going to go with Ryan Armour. Um, he's just been playing well, and this is a guy I think at 7400 in this field, um, he's he's more talented than the 7400 price. You know, I think you can compare him to a lot of the guys in this 8K range, and I think that's probably where he would suit better for me. So I think I'm getting a really good value on him at 7400, and I like some of his results in the last four tournaments. He did really well in the Corn Ferry Tour Championship, and this is going to be more like a Corn Ferry Tour field. So uh, I'll, I'll roll the dice on him here.
2: Yeah. yeah. Of a, of a golfer that like, let's remove the corn fairy players for a second, just cause they get such a big boost in my model. I think Ryan armor is the second most mispriced golfer, $7,000 or above um, that I can find. So, I mean, based off of that, like he's a really good person to consider. Like you think of shorter courses and Ryan armor kind of is one of the names you would think of. He's ninth in my model when running this for upside. So you know, we've kind of seen that historically for him at this track. He has two top eight finishes in three tries. I, I like the pick.
1: Yeah, the course fit is there. The good experience on this track is there. Uh, I don't mind it at all. It's 7,400. All right, Spencer, back to back. What do we got?
2: I'm kind of in a, a train wreck of a decision here. Like, I, I don't like, no matter what I take right now, once I didn't get Gligitch, this whole lineup, <laughs> kind of went the crap for me and and that's the problem is it's just hard to round this out the way that i wanted to so i'll go with a player that i don't know if i necessarily trust him over four days i i think there's implosion potential and that's always worrisome but i'm gonna take eric van royen he ranks fifth in weighted proximity for me 13th in total driving um i kind of keep alluding to this for a lot of these players but i think that like the projected long iron play will help him continue that par five trajectory that places him seventh in the field for me when I reweight it. Uh, he ranks third over the past 50 rounds in strokes game total on short courses. A lot of metrics to like with him. I-, I think it's a little volatile, even though my model doesn't necessarily, I mean, that's me speaking like for myself, my model doesn't mind the safety that he's providing. I just know that when I've rostered Eric Van Rooyen in the past, it has been so boom or bust of what I get with him. And even when like, it's good on Sunday, all of a sudden he implodes, but I don't know. I I think that there's upside there. It wouldn't shock me if he won this tournament. So like, if I'm looking in that regard, I like Eric Van Rooyen. And then I'm going to trust the, I don't know if I want to do this actually. Um, I guess I'm going to trust the data that I have. The problem is, is like, this is such a limited sample size. And I think that this is where it blows up in your face when a golfer is 9% like a 9% $7,300 golfer isn't exactly what I want, but I will trust the three tournaments of the sample size that I have. And I will take Kevin. Ooh, I don't know. I mean, like, do I love the play? No. Do I have an outright on him? Yes. So, you know, if I'm looking for that, like at least there's something there that I can point to, but I think this is more volatile then meets the eye test. Um, just because we're dealing with a limited sample size at the end of the day, like I prefer him to play him as a top 20, play him as an outright winner, kind of like go boom or bust with him, then take him for 10% in a DFS field. But I, I, I don't know. I mean, my numbers really like him and that's even after I regressed a lot of the information to move him lower in my model. Like he's 16th overall. And the way that he initially graded for me was inside the top ten, so I really had to hammer down some of those stats to get there.
1: Yeah, I know uh, Greg Duchamp was was pretty big on on you as well, and and I was I was certainly convinced, and now that you're backing him up. Uh, I certainly like it. You that's a soldier boy reference, by the way, for mm-hmm. all you, all you guys out there. Spencer knows what I'm talking about. Uh, okay, so uh, uh, nice picks there. Eric Van Rooyen and, pa- and Patrick Rogers, your Thursday is going to be just fine. Spencer, don't worry about it. Uh, David, what what you got?
3: I've got two things to say to Spence's comment there. One, every week we hear Spence come on here and claim that his lineup is a train wreck and then he wins. So I'm yeah, buying that rubbish with audience. That is absolute rubbish. <laughs> I'm, um, Spence, I'm sorry, I'm calling you out on that. Um, second, Kevin, you absolutely love it. You've mm. made some decisions for me later in the lineup because he was going to be one of my picks.
1: Love it. I absolutely love it. That's great. Joel, it's on you, buddy. All right, all right. I am back
0: on the clock, uh, and I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna go with Adam Shank with my next pick. Um, Adam Shank has shown that he can really get hot with his irons, especially recently. He's had a few weeks where he's really popped um, in this field. I think this is a type of field where Adam Shank is like set up for success at 8,700. He's the type of player who I felt like could have been in the 9K.
1: So again, I'm looking for that value to be able to build a.
0: A balanced roster, I think I can do so with Shank here.
1: Yeah, elite approach play. Um Putter's been kind of bad. I wonder I was about to check his split on Bermuda. If anybody does anybody happen to know that?
2: I don't have it up in front of me right now. I don't know if anybody else does. Um yeah, I can check it in
1: a second, but we can carry on. I'll check it in. Oh, it's it's on us. Oh, we need nominations. Um does anybody have Adam Shank? Adam Shank was another one of those guys I was kind of on the fence on. I, I, I kind of like him,
3: uh, but... I, yeah, I, I like him as well. I mean, 12th and 16th, his last two tournaments, he gained um, a ton of strokes on approach um, at the Shriners, and he's also started gaining with the putter. Um, we don't know for the Zozo, but I can assume finishing 16th that he's at least gained some strokes with the putter. And then um, at the Shriners, he gained with the putter as well, so I'm loving that incoming form. 7th um, at the Punta Cana last year um 2020 puerto rico 14th so um i'm liking some of the uh the correlating form as well so i think he's a solid pick
1: all right uh we got a couple nominations uh one for i'll just say him out loud uh oh wow okay so I, i'm not sure how to pronounce uh zesheng daos uh is that did i do that right what's is that how you pronounce his name
3: I think Zesheng do, but
1: do yeah. okay, gotcha. Um, wow, I got the Zesheng part right, but the <laughs> do part wrong. That is interesting. Um, we got back-to-back nominations uh from Carmen and uh Byron. Uh, you know, we've got a lot of corn Ferry tour stuff on him. He's been he's been pretty pretty good on the corn Ferry tour, including an outright uh out in uh in July. Uh, PGA tour results at the Fortnite Sanderson Farms, pretty good results. T54, T21. Been pretty good on approach. Good off the tee. Ball striking's been great. Putter's been fine. Around the green's been an issue. I mean, he seems like he profiles well here. Uh, I'm obviously talking like I don't know much about him because I'm reading his stats off. So does anybody have a strong opinion on him? Because obviously I don't.
3: I think it's a really sneaky play. And I, with some of these Corn Fairy guys, what I'll point out is that um, you've got a couple of courses in the Bahamas that you played on the Corn furry Tour, which are um, actually some pretty decent correlating um, course form into here. Um, Do finished um, second at the second of those two Bahamas um, tournaments and then came back with a fifth at the, Pan- at the Panama um, Championship directly afterwards. So I think it's one of those sneaky plays where a lot of people aren't going to be diving into that Corn Ferry Tour form. Um, and if you can find some correlating players on those, um, those two tournaments in particular, I think it should be a fairly good indication of some form coming in here.
1: Uh, we have some some Jets talk, some New York Jets talk in the chat. Uh, I think this is funny. Um, Byron says, "Holy cow, I hate our team, but I love it too." Those are always the teams that like actually win. Because if you're like super comfortable with your GPP golf, like PGA team in particular, it's dead. It's like when you walk out. Like, so I've taken two bar exams, one in Florida and one in Virginia. I swear this isn't like a humble brag. Passed both of them the first time, but there were people I walked out with that were like, "Oh yeah, I think that went really well." And I thought to myself, oh, man, you are not passing this bar exam because like I would always walk out being like, man, I'm not so sure about that one. I I think I could have failed. I think I probably passed. But in PGA golf, like if you're like super comfortable with your lineup, it's either like super chalk and and also dead or just straight up dead. So I like the sentiment of hating and loving one's team. Mm -hmm. Really did sound like a humble brag, but that's the first thing that came to mind was like people like I remember them saying like, oh, I did really well. And I'm like, nobody says that walking out of the bar exam like you definitely failed. and they did end up failing for the record. The People I'm thinking of Uh, David back to back picks. What do we got?
3: Yeah, I totally, totally agree as well. I think that if you feel comfortable with your lineup, then everybody else also feels comfortable with your lineup, and it's probably an indication that you're going to end up with um, a double up as well. So, it's a, it's a good thing to at least embrace a couple of uh, picks uh, for your, your millie maker lineups that um, make you really uncomfortable, and you've got no idea how it's going to go because that's the you got to roll the dice with at least a couple of them um i've got some real funky picks that are going to come later so i feel that i can uh, leave those and keep them safe and um hopefully nobody else is thinking along the same lines as me so i'm going to go up to um, adam long um, with my next pick again if we're looking at like the weakness of adam long's game it's distance off the tee however the driving um, accuracy and the putting is fairly elite um, he's coming in here with some um, pretty decent form, um, but it's the correlating comp, comp courses that really appeals to me. So he's a winner at La Quinta in 2019. Um, at the Mayakoba, he's got a second, a third, and a 22nd. And then at the Punta Cana, he's finished fifth. And then the Mexico Open last year, he's finished 15th. So he's he's just got this elite, elite form um, at tropical courses um, he's coming in um, off a couple of made cuts. Um, the putting's been excellent. Um, I also like his wedge play. His wedge play in particular from um, 50 to 100 yards is pretty on point, which we know is going to be a key to scoring, particularly if it does get windy and you start missing um, some greens, which you know is just going to happen when you get gusts. And with one of these exposed island courses, that that can happen. Um, My next pick's going to be a little bit more, a little funkier, which is Andrew Novak at 6,900. So I'm going to go down the board a little bit with him. Um, Last time we saw him was at the Corn Fury Tour Championship where he finished 23rd. Again, though, I'm just looking at um, his form from the last year. So of of his tournaments where he finished top 25, they were the Mexico Open 15th, Punta Cana 11th, Puerto Rico 22nd, and the Mayakoba 22nd. Um, the other being the Corn Fairy Tour Championship, which was his last appearance. So of his five um, five top 25s last year, four of them were at all of his appearance on um, Tropical Courses. So I'm liking that, um, that correlation um, coming in here.
2: I like I both it. of those picks. So Andrew Novak is one of the biggest upside players that I have in the $6,000 range. Like There's virtually no ownership around him either, so... You can take a chance with that. And then Adam Long will feature for me later in my card when I run through one of the markets. Um, I mean, no matter really how you want to look at it, like the recent T to green metrics look really good for him. He's 23 spots above his expected value there. I uh, 13 places better with his baseline when you look at weighted proximity. I think there's a lot to like about both of those players in GPP builds. All
1: right. Well, the audience has already made their selection. They don't know it yet, but I just typed in uh, somebody for to second somebody, and I'm waiting for it to pop up. There we go. I'm going with Steven Yeager. So Steven Yeager was the guy, I told you guys at the beginning of the show, there were two guys coming to this tournament I kind of knew I was going to play. Steven Yeager was one of them, and Will Gordon was the other. Um, I feel pretty comfortable about Steven Yeager, even though I don't know that I think he's the best course fit here. Uh, he was 20th here last year. Great tee to green. Um, the around the green game has been picking him up quite a bit, so I think that's probably the problem here. That's why I don't think he's necessarily uh, the best court, uh, best course fit. Putter has really improved. Ball striking needs to rebound a little bit, but again, this is one of those field plays, and I got to I got to be honest. Like a lot of times. When I incorporate some field plays, that ends up being like the best lineups for me, where I'm incorporating metrics with most players and field plays with others. I just think Steven Yeager is a little bit more talented than most people in this field, and I'm willing to make a bet on that. So that that's where I'm at there. I do have a question though before we get to Joel's pick. Um, is this is there a love or a hate sentiment, David? I, I saw you kind of shaking your head, especially when I when I said the around the green thing. Is is he just not the course fit here? Is, is this a, a no for you?
3: Uh, The reason I was shaking my head actually is because I think around the green game is actually going to be a fairly good correlator to success on this course. I think that um, whenever you get these windy courses, right, like let's think Lucas Herbert. What does Lucas Herbert do really well? He chips really well and he putts really well. Why is that useful in windy courses? Because you're going to miss greens. Mm -hmm. You are going to miss greens when it gets really windy and you're going to need to scramble and you're going to need to get up and down. Um, Jaeger's one of the best chippers on tour. You know, and his putting is fairly elite as well. So I, I actually really, really like that play.
1: Okay, great. Um, let's move along. We have Joel.
0: What, what do we got? All right, so I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to balance out my last two picks. With my first one, I'm going to go ahead with Chesson Hadley. Love it. Um, I love the way he's been playing recently. His ball, she's been gaining on his approach each of the last five tournaments, and by a pretty good margin. But to pair that with the fact that he's also found a pretty hot putter. I mean, at the Shriners, he gained almost five strokes putting. He's had a few where he's gained over two over in his last 10. So if you can combine those two things this week, I think he's another guy in the 7K range who can compete to win the tournament.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I love Chesson Hadley. I, I overplay him, to be honest. I play him a lot. Now that his iron game has returned, because there was like a year, year and a half where it was just he was just bad all the way around. But the iron game has returned. The putter can get hot. Pretty good formula. He's a shorter hitter, obviously. Uh, pretty good formula here, and I think it's a great price on Chesson Hadley. I, I mean, he's not Chesson Hadley's Chesson Hadley, but in this field, I mean, could it be seven thousand nine hundred? Could it be eight thousand one hundred? Maybe the way he's playing, I think that that's a fair argument. So, uh, I'm a big fan. Um, just real quick, yes or no, just to save some time, Spencer. Yes or no on Chesson? Uh,
2: no to Chesson Hadley. Yes to Steven Yeager.
3: David,
1: yes or no on Chesson?
3: Yeah, I mean he's a he's a winner at the Puerto Rico Open, sixteenth here um previously as well. Um my only question would be what his ownership is. Um I don't mm. know if it has that figure. That would be my only thing. I'm not I'm not keen on paying like an eighteen percent Jason Hadley. Um <laughs> if he's you know, if he's a little bit lower then then I'm kind of okay with it.
1: And Spencer, before you give your two picks, can you tell us what, what it's indicating like?
2: Yeah. So he's like 14.9%. He's the ninth most ex, or most popular player on the board. Um, I mean, I, I think he's a better cash game play. I mean, like if there's, I, I, I don't necessarily think he's going to miss the cut for all the reasons that everybody's mentioned, but I don't know if he has the upside that I'm looking for. I mean, like David brought up some points for why he might, but I don't know, at 15%, like, I'd rather go a different route.
1: Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, (laughs) Back-to-back picks to finish it out, Spencer.
2: It's not necessarily any of the picks I'm going to make, though. Like, I don't really love, I mean, David can say that I say this, and maybe this is my way of, like, I, I give myself good juju on the back end. I don't like the lineup, and then there's no expectations, and I hope that the lineup wins from it. But, like, I almost feel gross if I go one of the routes with it because, I can't tell you how many lineups has been burned from one guy in particular that I'm about to take if I do take him. And the same thing could probably be said about Patrick Rogers, Alex Smalley, Eric Van Rooyen. Like these are guys that have burned me over and over again. So maybe this is like a sign to where let's just go all out this week and take every single guy who's ever burned me in this contest. But before I make that decision, I'll tell you the two that I'm between. I am going to select Ben Taylor at 7,400. He reminds me a lot of Kevin Yu, like in what my model is predicting. I don't know if I necessarily trust the math behind it, but seventh in GIR percentage, he's inside the top 15 for par five scoring. You could make the argument, and my model kind of makes this argument that maybe the upside isn't worth this. Like, there might be other, I guess what I'm trying to say is there might be other golfers that have better upside than him. But I think from a safety perspective, I hate saying that he's safe because I don't have enough data to necessarily trust it. But my model seems to think that he's a 21st golfer for safety Uh, that goes in reverse when I look at upside, but I mean, I have a top 40 on him at plus 160. It kind of goes right with that mentality of like, if I can get him inside the top 40, we'll move from there and hope that he backdoors a top 10 somehow. So then the other play is going to come down to one of two golfers. It's either going to be Austin Smotherman who I don't love the ownership at 11%. Or it is the goal, and Austin Smotherman, by the way, is another guy who seems to burn me all the time, so we can throw him into the mix. But the golfer I was talking about, Doug Mm Gim. I don't know how many times I can go this route where Doug Gim burns me. I see this weighted proximity from him, and I always love it, and everything falls apart around it. Uh, He's 32nd for me for overall rank. He's 25th for upside. He's 52nd for safety. That means that there's a lot of miscut potential that's going to come into play. He's also 3.7%. I think it's a way to get unique based off of that. Um, I guess before I answer this, do any of you guys have a lean on it? I I already know my answer of which way I'm going to go, but between Smotherman and Gim, do you guys have a lean one way or another?
1: It would be smotherman for me but i have a bias because david bileski wrote a lyric about austin smotherman that is stuck in my head for eternity so i don't know if that's in play here
3: yeah i mean for me i'm just i'm a sucker for doug kim i keep going back and i keep getting hurt yep. you know it's <laughs> just it's like that bad relationship where you like you know you should leave but you just you know you still love them you know you still love them and that's that's doug kim and me um you know the the approach that's just profiled so well and I just I keep hoping that one day he'll learn how to putt and it will happen uh so yeah Doug him for me.
0: Paul very quickly. I go man I just I for the same reason you said I've been burned by Gim too many times he's been he's been nixed for my player pools.
2: I hate that I'm gonna do this this just shows I have an addiction and I can't control myself I guess this makes it 2-2 I'm gonna take Doug Gim and I'm ready to be hurt again. <laughs>
3: yeah <laughs> Embrace their toxicity. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh, I like it. I like it. I'm actually gonna do the same thing you did. I, I'm gonna lay out my the two guys I'm deciding between from my last pick here. Um, it's between Cameron Percy mm-hmm. and Sam Ryder. Um, I, I I'm gonna go with. I've decided I'm gonna take Percy, but it was really close. I did like Ryder. Uh, it was kind of like a coin flip for me. Ryder's approach and putting has been really strong, but I think what put me over the top was. As David's kind of been mentioning, Percy has a really good history at these kind of uh, tropical courses. Uh, he's got a lot of top tens. He tends to rise to the occasion in these courses. His ball striking is really good, so I'm going to lead on that history and take him here with the last pick. All right.
2: I, I'm sorry. I was. Who was that that you took?
0: Uh,
1: Percy Cameron Percy.
2: I, I like that a little bit. My model seems to like him also.
1: All right. Uh, so, audience, we have 7,700 left. Uh, we've got some Harry Hall nominations. Uh, Lucas Glover, another guy who was in a recent lyric, uh, posted on David and, and and my Twitter and some some others. Uh, okay, any seconds for either of those guys? Th- those guys certainly fit. Uh, I'm wondering if I should nominate somebody. I kind of want to steal the Sam Ryder play from Joel. If anybody wants to nominate him, but I'm I'm not uh, I'm not super beholden to that. Um, Tyler Duncan is interesting here. Certainly a decent course fit. What else we got? Ryan Arm has already been picked, Uh, Byron. uh, Did Higo get a second? No. Glover? um, Not really into Higo. I don't know that I'm into Glover either. How much is Glover? Anyone?
0: 75 or 74? Let me double check. He is 75?
2: uh, 75.
1: Yeah. I don't think I could do Glover. The putter is just horrific. Um, I'm going to nominate Ryder if anybody wants to back him up. But Higo, we can back up Higo, Glover or Sam Ryder at this point. If anybody wants to give a second. Ryder works with Brian. Twitterless Brian says Sam Ryder. So we're going to go with Sam Ryder. We're going to steal Joel's pick at 7,700. We're going to see how that plays out. Um, usually it's pretty well if it's in consideration for Joel. Um, just for the sake of time, because Joel already talked about Sam Ryder, let's move on and let's have David's final pick.
3: Yeah, I, can I say of all those names, Harry Hall would have been my favorite. So um, that would have been who I would have would have leaned with. Um, look, uh, the player I'm going to take my last pick, you know, household name, um, John Vanderlin. You know, we all know what John Vanderlyn can do. Um, yeah, obviously, you know he's just an absolute um, elite golfer that we're all aware of. Um, so, yeah, you guys, um, you guys can speak to him if you like.
1: That's a fake person, right? You just—that's a computer-generated yeah, yeah. person yeah. from a video yeah. game.
3: Yeah. Okay, so so I'll get in serious now. I'll, I'll get into John Vanderlin because uh, nobody's going to be playing him. Um, this this is an up and coming young golfer who has had elite. Um, elite uh, amateur career when he was coming through college. Um, He won eight tournaments in one year in 2018, um, set all sorts of records, um, won the Jack Nicholas Award for Division II as an amateur um, in 2018, went to Q School. Of his 12 rounds, they were all in the 60s, including a 64 and a 65, Average 69, which is the first time that's ever been done um, at Q School to, to qualify for the Corn Fury. Um, and now he's moving up to, to the big time, to the PGA. That, that year in 2018, when he was still a, a college kid, um, he qualified for the Barbasol and immediately came out and finished 31st, um, which was um, was pretty impressive. Um, the other thing I love with him, again, as Phil mentioned, was with the, uh, with the Corn Fury guys, um, you've got these tournaments in the Palmas in Panama, which um, are kind of correlated and very, very similar courses. So he's played... uh, at the Bahamas four times. He's finished 33rd, 23rd, 12th, 11th. In in Panama, he's finished 39th and 42nd. And then in Bogota, he's finished um, 6th as well, and he was actually the 54-hole leader of that tournament. So um, I think there's huge leverage there. Nobody's going to be talking about him. Nobody knows who he is. Um, But I think he's someone who's actually got some um, huge upside and could easily actually finish in the top 20 and shock a lot of people.
2: Just very quickly, I don't know what tournament my model is pulling stats from, but it kind of likes him also. So I'll I'll double down, and I'll say that I like that pick too, even though I don't know a ton about him. My model doesn't dislike it, and maybe you would know better than I do, David, of what it's pulling from for him. But
3: I would say it's what it's going to be is that 2018 Barbersault um, tournament, probably. Um, I don't know how long back your your model goes, but in 2018 he played one PGA Tour event, which was when he was still an amateur. Um, the the award, basically for getting the Jack Nicklaus Trophy, was was an invite to the Barbasol Championship, and he actually came out and he finished 31st.
2: Maybe I I don't know. I mean I don't run it that far back. I don't I, I don't know what it's pulling it from, but it likes him for whatever reason. So take it what it's worth. Like maybe it has a mind of its own. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um. So let's let's move on to the outright and first round leaders, Joel, if that's cool. But I did want to ask: Are are J C Dickinson or Brian Fletcher still in the chat? If you're still in the chat, let me know by, by typing your your name in the chat. Um, are we ready to do first round? Go ahead, Joel.
0: Yeah, we're, we're ready to rock. You know, uh, the draft is a wrap. We're going to post these lineups on Twitter. So let us know what team you like to win. We're going to report back on the winner. Put your votes in. And while you're there, don't forget again, give us a like and follow. It goes a long way. But we're going to start with, as I pull the draft board down, we'll start with our outrights. And we'll start with you, Spence. You got in the outright market.
2: I can't promise all these numbers are still here. I'll tell you the book that I recommended them for at the time that I took them. So, Patrick Rogers, 30 to 1 on DraftKings, Alex Smalley, 34 to 1 on FanDuel. Eric Van Royen, 66 to one. That was on Bet Rivers. Michael Gligich, 80 to one on Bet 365. Kevin Yu, 100 to one on Bet 365. Austin Smotherman, 110 to one on Bet 365. And MJ Duffy, 110 to one on Bet 365.
0: I love it. I love it. How about you, David? Who are you looking at in the outright market?
3: Yes, yeah, so I'll, I'll second um Bligich. obviously I, I love his upside as well. So um I've got him at 70 to 1 with um eight places over at bet 365 um as an option there. Um I've got Aaron Aaron Rye at 25 to 1, um eight places as well. Look, even if um he finishes top eight, that um seems a highly likely um chance for him to to do that, and there'll be a, a very, very good return for him there. I've got Andrew Novak at 160 to 1. Again, I just love that number that you can get on um, Fangel, um compared to other bookmakers where um, international markets, he's like, kind of like 110, 120. So you can get some really good numbers on Andrew Novak. And um, the stud, John Vandalen, 300 to 1. I'm going to throw it out there.
0: I love it. I love it. Um, I'm going to give you guys four outrights for myself this week. I got two long shots and two more middle middle of the pack type plays i will say before i get my plays this is the week to go for it right i mean if you want to go for a long shot there's no one that there's no Rory McIlroy to worry about there's no justin thomas to worry about so if someone's going to pop through for a, a long shot um i like their chances if any week this week my first real hail mary is going to be brian gay at 150 to 1 he's coming off an injury he loves this course i mean he's got a 12th and two top threes he won it once before. Um, he's not a very good golfer, but he just seems to show up at this course, and I'll take a shot on him here to do it again this week. Um, my other deep long shot is Brian Stewart at 151. I didn't think that's just too long a number for him. His, his, his approach is good. His weakness is his driver, but he should be able to be a little bit neutralized here this week. And then my two uh, higher favorites in my draft, both guys I drafted, Adam Shank and Callum Tarran at 45
1: to one, all right. See, who are you looking at in the outright market? Uh, so did by the way, Spencer, I missed you. Did you have Alex Smalley as one of your outrights?
2: I do. I mean, if you made me pick somebody, how would like to win the whole tournament. I would probably say Alex Smalley is the most likely winner according to my model.
1: Okay, yeah, you know, I know. I remember you saying that. I just couldn't remember if you actually said now, right? So I have six first round leaders. so I'm only going to give three outrights, um, and. I didn't invest a lot of time, if I'm being candid, in the outright market. So I'm going to probably be live. I'll pick a couple guys to live bet if you want to follow me on Twitter. I'll I'll tweet it out for sure. Steven Yeager, 35 to 1. Will Gordon, 55 to 1. And just a flyer on Kramer Hickok, who, who I just might play in DFS at 80 to 1. So Steven Yeager, Will Gordon, Kramer Hickok.
0: There you have it. I love it.
1: And finally,
0: where we make our money, the first round leader, we're gonna hit again. We are too hot not to spend tickets off. Who are you looking at in the first round the market?
2: Patrick Rogers, forty to one. That's on Fanduel and DraftKings. Alex Smalley, forty-five to one. That is on Bet three six five. Adam Long, sixty to one on Fanduel. Michael Gligic, seventy to one on Bet three six five. Austin Smotherman, eighty to one on Fanduel. And MJ Duffy, 80-1 to on DraftKings. It's a very similar card from what I'm taking from the outright market into the first-round leader bets here. Uh, I mean, most of those names, for the most part, carried over. I guess the one that did not, that I could have some regrets for, would be Eric Van Royen. I very much considered going that route, and he was like the Tom Kim for me that got removed very last minute uh, to go a different, uh, I guess, route with it. But... I, I kind of like my my first round leader card this week i want
0: to just jump on and support the mj duffy play um i think he's a little bit underrated under overlooked not a lot of people talk about him but i think you're right i think he's a good shot this week um so i support you there how about you david you' look at him in the first round leader market
3: yeah, I, I kind of like the afternoon um, for the first round leaders. It looks like there may be a bit of wind coming through in the morning. Um, there's also suspected to be some rain, um, which is going to peak around midday. So if that softens up the course a little bit, we could see these guys go low in sort of like calm and softer conditions. So um, I've actually got um, six names that I'm going to give out. I'm going to follow the Alex Morley play um, for first round leader. Um, Michael Glickich, I've already spoken about. Same with Andrew Novak. Um, I'll throw Maddie Schmidt in there, um, who I am very high on in terms of his talent um, as a young golfer. I'll point out as well that there's a huge differentiation between um, what odds you're getting on Maddie Schmidt um, as as an overall winner. Um, across different bookmakers. So um, some have gone uh, listed as 100, but then he's also as low as 66 to one with um, William Hill, for example. So um, there is some money coming from it from, for him in different markets. Um, we've got John Vanderlyn at 126. And my final one is Ben Taylor, who is 70 to one.
1: Hey, um, real there. quick before the next person goes, um, Brian Fletcher and who was the other one that I met? Oh, JC Dickinson. Uh, I, I'm, you guys win. Um, and I'm, uh, what I'm going to do is you privately message me on Twitter or I think you're, yeah, you're obviously both on Twitter. You retweeted. So, um, privately message me on Twitter and I will hook you up with a three month, uh, membership to win daily, uh, gold membership, which gets you not just PGA, but NFL and, and Literally every other sport that we do, and it's pretty intense with NBA and NHL happening. Like it's it's awesome, uh, MLB too to some degree. But the point is, um, message me and I'll get you hooked up with that. It might take a couple days to process. If for some reason you guys like don't do any other DFS and you're just not interested in that, I'll I'll Venmo you money for that pitch and putt. Um, that I talked about, that the twenty dollar entry. But trust me, you're gonna want you're gonna want the uh, the gold access to win daily. So message me for that. No problem. Thanks for watching, and uh, let's move on.
0: Big win! Congrats, fellas. Uh, I'm gonna give you run now my, my first round leaders real quick. I'm gonna go back to Brian Stewart again at hundred to one. Uh, I also like Camila Villegas at hundred to one, and then moving up the board a bit, I like Sam Ryder here uh, at seventy to one. Um, and then my my favorite first round leader play the guy to, to take it down is going to be Adam Shank at forty five to one. All right, see ya. Please enlighten us.
1: Butterfield Bermuda Bermuda Championship. So we've gone on this streak for first round leaders. I don't know who's going to hit it this week, but I mean it's going to be me, right? Not to, to paraphrase or actually directly quote InSync, it's going to be me. So uh, in, in with that in mind. I will give out six first round leaders, but there's an easy button first round leader that we're going to put all our money on. Obviously, let's start with Mark Hubbard at forty to one. I will caution you, he is an AMT time. So, if you wanted to narrow my pool from six to four, there's two guys that have AMT times that I'm giving out. So, weather can fluctuate. So, that's why I'm kind of including a couple guys in that t- that that area. But Mark Hubbard at forty to one, Aaron Rye at forty five to one, Stephen Yeager. At 50 to 1, he's the other AM guy. Everybody else, I believe, is in the afternoon. Callum Taron at 55 to 1. Chesson Hadley at 60 to 1. And your first round leader at the end of round one of the Butterfield Bermuda Championship. That's a mouthful. It is none other than, can't believe it, he's got the most boring name of all time. His name is Will Gordon. He is your first-round leader at the Butterfield Bermuda Championship, which doesn't take place for another two days. And I'm telling you now that at 60-1, to Will Gordon is your first-round leader. You're welcome, everyone. I would
0: grab that now before it's minus 200 by the morning because that's the likely scenario when the books hear this because in reality, we hit every week and we're bankrupting the books. So – They've approached us to tear us down, live or outbid them, so we we have to stay things to live. But that's just how things work over here at the PGA Draftcast, nailing first-round leaders. Get your plays in. See it. Did I forget anything?
1: You forgot to say uh, thank you for everybody, everybody for watching. This is a new time. So we are back to this Tuesday night, but instead of eight o'clock, it's nine o'clock. So JC, you're new here. Uh, Brian, I think you might have mentioned that you're new here. You guys just won win daily memberships. My, My ask of you, Brian and JC and Edward and Carmen and everybody in this chat is invite a friend for next Tuesday. Make sure there's one other person in this chat that's friends with you that might enjoy uh this golf show make sure they're in here and make their make their voices heard zach thank you for being in here as well ed of course thank you for being in here um Get some more people in here. Let's get let's get some conflict when we're picking some of these players. Maybe some back and forth. Let's talk some smack to David, who he's like winning all the time, and Spencer's winning all the time, and they're like saying Luke Donald is the worst pick ever, which you know Mm -hmm. and very well could be, but maybe it's not. So we come back next week and we fire bullets at David. Okay, that's actually a bad metaphor to use. Um, Yeah, Yeah. let's let's not do that one. The point is. We'll see you here next week, and we'll see you with your friends. Thank you for watching. Uh, Dial in next Tuesday, 9 o'clock, we'll be here. And the last thing is, um, Spencer, what's the last thing? Sports. Wrong. Sports.